Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Bills Beat Podcast. This one, the second of the post-game editions. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as always, Matthew Fairburnham of The Athletic. And the Bills went through. They got their first preseason game win of the year. Rejoice, everyone, because a winless season, no more. Yeah, it didn't really matter. Um, but the Bills did beat the Browns by a score of 19-17. to we saw some good, we saw some bad, and we saw some fairly concerning injuries from a uh, Bills fan perspective as well. So plenty to dive into today more than anything, but this is, this is something that uh, I think is pretty unique, and I'm going to make this joke every single time we do a podcast, but I don't think we've talked about this guy. This uh, Jush Allen character, he's, uh, it looks like he's got some legs. He might have a future in this league. He might. I'm not sure. He, it, it certainly looks like it after last night. Yeah, uh, Josh Allen went through and worked with the second team offense. He uh, got the, uh, you know, if you discount the, uh, the spike attempt that he had, he would have went 9 of 12 for, what was it? 60 yards, I think, and uh, which would have been a 75% completion percentage. So Josh Allen made probably the play of the night on the touchdown throw on a third and two, and for him, it, it was another step in the right direction, which brings us to a bigger point here about what's next for Josh Allen, because we know full well that Sean McDermott isn't going to tell us anything. And now we can't see practices, at least the media can't. We get the first 20 to 25 minutes if we're lucky. We'll see the reps of them handing the ball off in routes versus air. But they could just tell those quarterbacks to flip the order around on us so as to not tip us off. So the big question here is what is next for Josh Allen? And, and to me just based on what we've seen over the past week, really since after the first preseason game, to me what is evident more than anything is I don't think they should just hand him the starting job right away, but I think they would be doing themselves a disservice by not at least giving him some time with the first-team offense in this third preseason game. I think his play has warranted that. He's been perhaps a little bit better than advertised in some respects, and I think for him, he needs to he needs to get that experience to see if he can hang. Yeah, I think after last night, the hype train is has definitely left the station, and it's it's rolling at a, an uncontrollable speed. But I, I still think. This competition isn't locked up by any means. No. I think, you know, A.J. McCarron leaving with a collarbone injury and probably basically being out uh, of this competition. To be fair, before that, he had four three-and-outs and didn't look like he really belonged in the competition anyways. So that makes it a two-man race between Josh Allen and Nathan Peterman. And I think Josh Allen is starting to show that he might be ready. And, I, you know, there's a huge fear that comes in with fans and even some coaches in regards to playing a guy too early or 
you know, throwing a guy in before he's ready. And from what we've seen of Josh Allen, he not only looks more ready than I think a lot of people gave him credit for from, you know, the standpoint of understanding the mental aspect of the game. I also think he looks more ready in terms of being able to handle what it means to be a rookie quarterback and go through the, the lumps. I mean, he took a lot of hits last night and kept getting back up. He looked like a leader. I mean it's starting to look like it's going to be really hard to keep this guy off the field. And the the decision is getting a lot more complicated for Sean McDermott because we know he loves Nathan Peterman. Peterman's completed 85% of his passes in the preseason, 231 yards, two touchdowns, had another decent game last night, has really done nothing to remove himself from consideration. And considering how much the Bills like him, it becomes, uh, you know, a huge question of whether McDermott is going to have the guts to to start Allen when push comes to shove because there's a lot of momentum building for Allen, and I think you're right. You can't make that decision until you see him against a, a first-team defense and with the first-team offense for an extended period of time. Right. Maybe we'll see that against the Bengals. I do like that they gave him, like, half a first-team rep. They, they had Kelvin Benjamin out there for a little while with him. They had the off the first team offensive line with him out there. Basically, I think that was more preservation than anything. Even though their offensive line performed pretty poorly against the Browns' first team defense. That said, the entire conversation around Allen needs to be: Why not? Why not just? chuck him out there with the first team offense I mean it it is clear and believe me I mean this in a very respectful way he's almost naive enough to where he doesn't really let the enormity of the situation affect him I mean he's just got that type of personality right where he's just a little aloof but but still within he understands what's going on and that's to his credit it means you know, not a lot of stuff is going to phase him. And you know, I don't really think he's sitting there going over the all the different words that Jalen Ramsey used against him in that GQ article. I don't really think that's going to linger in his mind. That's just from from the sense that I get from you know, interacting and being around him. It, that to me, it just doesn't seem like that's what he is. So. One of my favorite quotes from Josh Allen last night was, as a quarterback, sometimes we try to make this game more complicated than what it is. And he is embodying that on the field right now because he isn't thinking too much. He's not getting hung up on his mistakes. Now, that's easy to do, easier to do in the preseason. I don't think it's easy because he was on the road. He was on national television. He was up against the former quarterback of this Bills team, he was up against the number one overall pick in his draft class in Baker Mayfield, and he's in the middle of a quarterback competition. So it's not easy to do. It's easier than it will be on the road against Baltimore or on the road against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But I really don't think this kid is going to be overwhelmed by you know, what happens to him on no. the field. And, and we talked about this going back to you know, early in the spring when we first started watching him. And my point all along has been, 
and I do believe this for the most part, especially when it comes to, you know, people thinking a guy's going to get ruined, his confidence will be shattered. I think if a guy can't handle it mentally, then it doesn't matter when you put him in. Because if he can't overcome those early struggles, he's probably not built to play the position long-term in the league. And it looks like, from what we've seen, Allen does have that between the years. Though there is a certain point to me made about just an overall maturity and getting there as you get a little bit older. And the command of the offense, I think, is the big thing. And the the technique but the guys that get you know rattled by being in there too early those aren't necessarily you know baker mayfield's not going to get rattled by being in there too early you're talking about blaine uh here the blaine gabberts of the world ej manuel david carr david carr might be a an, an exception just because he got abused you know he got hit so often that you don't really know what he could have become but joey harrington for instance i mean a lot of these guys that got thrown in early, would they? Would it have mattered if you sat them down? You know, would it, would it really have made that much of a difference if Joey Harrington got in there in December uh, after sitting for a while? If he couldn't handle those hits, if he couldn't handle things not going his way and things not being perfect, if he couldn't elevate his teammates, then maybe he never would have been able to in the first place. Yeah, but he was such a smiley guy, that Joey Harrington. Joey Harrington, poor guy. He yeah. just got... Right he he really didn't enjoy football. No, he didn't. And you know what? He's Who gonna, would? He's going to be livid with you after he listens to this. That's that. That is for sure. Um, didn't? Am I imagining things? Did you have a Joey Harrington jersey back I, in the no, day? No, I did not. It's Charles Rogers. I I know the Charles Rogers. I was hoping beyond all hopes that maybe I'll have to pick up a Joey Harrington jersey. That That's is, one missing from my collection. That is a, an elite get right there. You could probably get it for seventy-two cents on eBay. I don't know. That's a rare one. It might be might be pretty expensive. All right. Joey Harrington. I'm going to look right now. What a flop. What was he, third overall? Third overall. Uh, the same draft as David Carr. Ah, uh, out of Oregon. Yes, out of Oregon. Very soft. Poor, poor Joey Harrington. It's almost surprising, though, for Josh Allen on the track that he's been on because comes from a smaller area in California where there isn't a lot of fanfare. Then he goes to the junior college route, not a lot of fanfare there. Wyoming, same sort of deal. It's It wasn't like those one of those bigger schools that just had all of this media attention all the time. And, and now he gets to the NFL where there is that sort of attention at all times on him because he is a top 10 pick, he is a quarterback, and he is someone that the Bills have pegged to be their quarterback of the future and perhaps even the quarterback of the present. And the fact that he can just, from what it seems like, prioritize that all of that, not to sweat all of that stuff, is an important trait for him. 15 bucks for a Joey Harrington jersey? That's a value. If you're not buying this. I think it's it's got the stitched on numbers, too. Wow. The Honolulu blue. It's a good looking, uh, it's a good looking jersey. A Joey Harrington Joey Harrington uh, jersey would be an elite get here. We have a text or a tweet as uh, as we continue the podcast. 
The Bills await the test results of veteran Kyle Williams, who suffered a knee injury last night. The early word is that his ACL was spared. If the MRI confirms, it would mean Williams could return this season. That's from Ian Rappaport of NFL.com. Williams, of course, was in a full leg brace last night just to stabilize it, you would you would imagine. So, yes, Kyle Williams is another one of those injuries. But back to Josh Allen. This is... I get the sentiment that fans are ready to go on this guy. But I don't want to be the killer of all fun here. I just don't know that Sean is Sean McDermott is going to let Allen get there to start the season. He might not have a choice, but if he does have a choice, I think he wants to reward Nathan Peterman a little bit for being steadfast and uh, and working as hard as he has and and really just doing everything in his power to try and improve and like you said McDermott loves the guy the Bills love Nathan Peterman it's plain as day a perfect example is when McDermott was asked last night a, a question about Nick O'Leary and how he stepped it up in that game. And he talked about Nick O'Leary for maybe three seconds and then talked about how good of a name a, a night Nathan Peterman had and how he bounced back and, and found Nick O'Leary on that throw. It's like the, the question wasn't even about O'Leary or it wasn't even about Peterman, and he, he took it there. So that's a subconscious thing. He loves Peterman. He wants to reward him, and I don't know. I, I think... Allen is going to have to severely outplay him in, in throughout the rest of the preseason for him to feel comfortable with putting the rookie out there to start the 2018 season. What about you? Yeah, I think Peterman is still very much in this thing. The only reason he was with the third team last night was because A.J. McCarron was getting a shot to start. So now maybe it's a situation where both Peterman and Allen get some time with the first team and you they get should. to see them side by side. But Peterman did nothing last night to take himself out of this race. The one thing, you know, the the fan support for Josh Allen is one thing. And, you know, media people jumping on the Josh Allen hype train is one thing. But I think what gets interesting is when you start to hear players, you know, get excited about Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And... It seems like to me throughout training camp in the preseason, a lot of players have been coached to take any question about Josh Allen or any quarterback and spin it into all three quarterbacks have been great. You know, all three quarterbacks are doing a great job. Last night when I was talking to Lorenzo Alexander, he had basically the strongest endorsement I've heard out of anybody from Josh for Josh Allen when he said, if if he wins the job, we're going to be – basically, we're going to be fine. He's essentially said the kid is ready. And I think when you hear stuff like that, when you hear Shaq Lawson start to compare him to Deshaun Watson in terms of his leadership and athleticism and playmaking ability, that's when it gets harder to keep a guy off the field because once the support starts to build in the locker room, then it's harder to sell the team on a guy like Nathan Peterman as good as he may be playing in the preseason because let's not forget, 
Peterman looked pretty good last preseason, too. Right, he did. And the selling the locker room point is one that I wonder about, just because I don't know that Sean necessarily has to try and be a salesman with those guys. I mean, it, he's shown pretty clearly that he's running the show, and, and that's that, that's how he wants this whole thing to operate. And I don't think he wants his players to question his decisions, and I don't think that that's he hasn't made enough bad choices. Yes, the Nathan Peterman choice was a bad one, but he hasn't made enough bad choices to where they they all say, well, this guy has no clue. This guy is, you know, brain dead. It's not, it's not like that at all. It's not like they're, there's just constant questioning about his decisions as there would be with some other coaches that I could think of in recent Bills history. So I don't know if he has to try and win over the locker room with a, with a quarterback choice, but for Peterman, I think all he really needs to do is just get out of that third preseason game clean. And if he does that, I think there's a pretty good chance that we see him starting against Baltimore. Now, we still have to wait to see what is happening with A.J. McCarron and whether or not he's actually going to miss time. It has been now widely reported that the that the injury was a hairline fracture of his collarbone and on his throwing shoulder side, so that's not great. At for least him. a month, which you would think extends into the regular season, and but we don't know that for sure. Just he wasn't yet. winning the job anyways. He wasn't doing anything to convince you no. that he should be the guy. He, you know, one part of the equation is you know elevating teammates, the energy the offense has when a guy's in the game. It was very low energy with with A.J. McCarron in the game. It was four drives, no first downs, and he wasn't doing much to create offense. One thing that Josh Allen does that neither McCarron or Peterman can has nothing to do with his arm. He's able to extend plays with his legs. He's able to bounce off pass rushers in the pocket and willing to take hits to keep plays alive, and that's just a skill set that he has that Peterman and McCarron don't, and especially McCarron is just a sitting duck back there, and he is doesn't have the arm to really keep plays alive either, and and push the ball down the field. So that's going to be a part of this as well. I think there's a fear that the Bills' offensive line isn't good enough to throw a rookie quarterback in there, but the fact of the matter is the rookie quarterback is probably more well equipped to handle that from a size and and contact balance standpoint than either of the other quarterbacks. No, I I definitely see where you're coming from. I also know that that Sean McDermott is a conservative man. And in his mind, he would need to be overwhelmed to let Josh fly right away. And not to say that we're not getting there, but let's also not go overboard with with Josh Allen because the, th- the touchdown throw was was great and he was within himself in the offense but he also didn't push the ball down the field too many times and the one time that he did he it was his first throw of the game I think and he, he just completely airmailed that thing when he tried to or when he thought he was trying to squeeze it into Kelvin Benjamin and 
got really excited. He tends to do that from time to time. He gets really excited when he sees uh, an open target or, or you know, on, a, on his first road game pass of, of the preseason, what have you. But that has been something we've seen. But I don't think McDermott is is going to feel like he's forced in, into doing anything unless, of course, he Allen is just so much better than Peterman. So as long as Peterman really doesn't throw up all over himself against Cincinnati, I think I think he's got a solid shot at this thing. But it's hard to ignore Josh Allen because every single day, and I feel like I say this on on every podcast, but I, it has to be reiterated. Every single day we watch him practice, he does something unique. He does something special that the other two guys can't do. And if it's it might just be something as simple as a back shoulder throw to the sideline that he hums there that is thrown with anticipation. Nathan Peterman isn't charging up that ball and, and throwing it over to the sideline that way. In Those sideline throws, I think, are what help separate him because yeah. the, the defense has to play you so much differently when you can get the ball to the sideline with that type of velocity. You can't cheat to the inside route and expect to be able to break on the ball because he'll pick up eight yard completions that's what he did last night you know you mentioned him not pushing the ball downfield which was you know definitely part of the game last night but almost you know on the flip side kind of encouraging because true he was taking what the defense gave him and actually executing when we've seen him fail a little bit in the past you know those eight nine yard completions when Nathan Peterman's in the game you can cheat on the inside route and if he throws it you can still take it away I mean Jalen Ramsey did it in the playoff game just happened in the Chargers game as well it happened in the Chargers game quite a few times it happened on the very first team rep of training camp uh, when Trey White almost took a an interception back to the house on Peterman but he dropped it so that's a, a part of this and that's where I think the team and the locker room come into play not so much that there's going to be this that that you know Sean McDermott needs to sell the team but that he has a good pulse of the team and if he starts to sense a a groundswell of support for Allen and and belief in the guy then that's part of winning a a quarterback competition is winning over your teammates and Josh Allen is doing that I don't think you're hearing too many people say you know well how about Nathan Peterman you know, because true, but but there's they also, know what the future holds. Yeah, but there's also the point that there, there's a natural excitement that comes along with him being a first round pick and and, the, and him and having the, that arm, the traits and, and everything, and that the, get people excited and the wonderment to see if it actually works. I think that's why the buzz kind of builds. I mean, for Peterman, it, within within the locker room, I'm saying, and, and with Peterman, it, that's just not organically there. It, it's he's a late round pick, and he was there last year I mean they've they've known him for a while Josh Allen is a flashy new toy and that's that's why that's why people love the draft as much as they do and and players even if they don't watch it they get the uh, residual effect from it where they get the players to actually play with them and when there's a good young talent they want to surround themselves with that it's it's just kind of human nature in within football so uh, believe me I honestly think that Josh Allen has been the best quarterback of the bunch so far and here's a take he was the best quarterback on the field last night I would agree with that I mean Baker showed some good poise in the pocket but 
mean, Tyrod wasn't doing much. Sorry, Torod wasn't doing much. You know, I, we discussed this. Good for Torod. I, I do find it weird, though, that his dad called and him. And his agent. His dad and agent called him Tyrod. But yet his mom is the one who holds the keys to the whole conversation. So why isn't the, the dad, why, why, why isn't he, uh, what's his name, Rodney? Rodney, yes. Yeah. Why, why isn't Rodney in on uh, the correct pronunciation? I feel like that would be a, a kind of a big deal, don't you? I, I would think. I'm, I'm not a father myself, so I can't really speak from Rodney's perspective. But I'm going to call you they, Muthu. They probably should be on the same page on that sort of thing. Yeah, they, they, they definitely should. Um, but Josh has been the best of the bunch. So if it were me making the decision, it, it would be easy because you want to surround your team with special traits. You want all of that. Just something about Sean being a conservative decision maker. Just it's just something about the Peter man. Yeah. It just, just puts it, a twinkle in Sean McDermott's eye. It just eye. keeps bringing him back. and He can't quit the Peter man. He, he can't. And I honestly believe that unless it becomes... Josh Allen basically slapping him in the face saying, you need to start me, that he's going to... How's that for a picture? Um, That he wants to reward Peterman for all his hard work because he knows that once Josh Allen goes in the lineup, he can't give Nathan Peterman that opportunity anymore. And he wants to see if Nathan Peterman can do it. There's also a sense of that with, with, okay, if Nathan Peterman's going to be the long-term backup, for them because of how much McDermott likes him, then they also kind of have to see if he's he's also not going to throw up all over himself in the regular season as he did in Los Angeles that one time. He needs to prove that. So this could be twofold because this is more than just 2018. I think the Bills understand that. I think the fans for the most part understand that. But when you have when you have that only one chance that we have been talking about to put Josh Allen in there there's there's quite literally no going back and and for if the bills want to find out on peterman they might have to just kind of temper the enthusiasm around allen until they feel like the time is right and there's also on some level i mean five of the first seven games on the road that's you're exactly right on the road to open the season minnesota week three on the road green bay on the road in week four houston is in there that's a tough defense so that's one school of thought, you know, let Peterman go through, you know, the the bruises of playing that tough early season schedule. And, you know, if he doesn't come out on the other end, then that's a good time to throw Josh Allen in there. But, you know, when Lorenzo Alexander sits there and says, if Josh Allen wins the job, we have as good a chance as if anybody else wins it. At that point, you wonder, why not? I mean, are you that afraid of Baltimore on the road? Baltimore's defense isn't quite what it was. Uh, you know, you've got home game against the Chargers in week two. I mean, these aren't – it's it's a tough early season schedule, but it's not impossible. And so, you know, there's two schools of thought on that, but they might – again, McDermott being a conservative guy might lean toward giving Peterman the chance, even though – do you really trust Peterman on the road against the Ravens and then at home against the Chargers defense that ate him alive last year? No, I don't. I I really don't. But 
it just comes back to McDermott, man. It's, it's the main thing that's holding me back about whether or not the Bills are actually going to have him start. I mean, you've talked to him just as much as I have. I mean, he is – it doesn't seem he wants to put all of that on Allen and maybe take it away from Peterman immediately. Maybe I'm misreading it. Maybe I'm thinking too much into it, which is absolutely possible because I, I think too much into most things in my, in my life. But they, these are – this is a a very precious decision of McDermott's, and he needs to nail this thing and, in his mind, what he believes is nailing this thing. I'll tell you how they can nail the, the quarterback situation through the rest of the preseason. If they go out and sign Kid Tutty. Ryan Zapatiki. Ryan Zapatiki, who They need to. Yeah, they need a third guy who I believe Mike Rodak insensitively uh, called an essential punching bag not too long ago on the Twitter. Rodak, yeah. come on, man. Come on, buddy. A little a little cold. Quite cold. Crass, as you will. This is a human with feelings. But that is the role... The Keith Winning role. The here's the playbook. Please go take some hits for us, and we will cut you in a week. But you know what? Pay you fifteen grand or whatever. <laughs> if oh, it, I don't, I don't even, even know if it's that much. It might be two. I'd be curious what that paycheck looks like. Might not be worth it. Kid Tutty though. I'd I'd be for it. Dude's like five foot ten, maybe five nine. Yeah, he is a small fella. Yeah, but. I mean, but he's he, gotten his hands on the playbook. Matt Moore is still out there. Would they, he knows this playbook. Would they really, though? I don't know. Would they really do the Matt Moore thing? Would they really sign Ryan Zapatiki? Joe Licata's out there. <laughs> he's, he's hanging around at Timon. He's, he's, he's having a good old time. There's a lot of players that are out there. Heck, you could even bring back Keith Wenning if you want to. I don't, unless he's signed somewhere. I don't think he is. I doubt it. I would assume. I would assume that he's not. But yeah, it, they're they're Colin going. Colin Kaepernick's out there. You gonna you gonna do that? You gonna do that? I guess, I guess we can table table you, that discussion. You gonna do that today? But they're gonna have to. Uh, they're gonna have to sign a third quarterback if McCarron has to miss the rest of the preseason because you don't want either Peterman or Allen playing that fourth preseason game. All right. So the Bills did actually play a game on Friday night, and there was more than just the quarterback play. I think it we should get into what happened on defense with the first team. But before we do that, uh, first let's do our a, our normal spot here. What uh, what we're working on, and Matthew, you kind of alluded to it earlier on the, the piece you just put up, but uh, why don't you tell us what, what's new at The Athletic for you right now? Yeah, up at theathletic.com, I, last night, you know, as I mentioned, guys have mostly been pretty quiet about trying to, you know, heap too much praise on Josh Allen, but Lorenzo Alexander and, and Shaq Lawson had a few interesting interesting things to say when I asked them about him and the the money quote from Alexander was if he ends up winning it we'll have as good a chance as if any of those other guys win he's definitely gaining my trust he already has my respect but just my trust as far as him going out there and being able to command the offense get guys in place run it smoothly as a young guy 
He also said he's fiery and it seems like guys around him kind of respond to his energy and kind of flock to him. That's the sign of a leader and somebody that's going to play in this league a long time. I mean, Shaq Lawson saying he's energetic, like he's been here for three or four years. He's not like a normal rookie. He's a leader like he's been in the league a long time. You can tell in how he prepares and plays. He's a big, strong-armed kid, moves well in the pocket, a special athlete. The last time I said that about a quarterback who was a special athlete was in college when I was talking about Deshaun Watson. I mean, that's what I talk about when I talk about it being hard to keep this guy off the field when players in the locker room are talking about him that way. Those quotes and and others are are up in my story at theathletic.com. You can still get 40% off a year subscription if you go to theathletic.com slash billsbeat. Comes out to like three bucks a month or something like that. Tim Graham's working on a few stories uh, that I think people enjoy. One will come out on Monday and one will come out shortly thereafter. I think we might even have a a little meetup for subscribers uh, tentatively in the works we're planning on. So go to theathletic.com slash billsbeat, get 40% off. Today I'll also have some Tremaine Edmonds nuggets and other leftover thoughts from the preseason game. So that'll all be up. You can download the app and and stay up to date with everything we're doing. And over on WKBW.com, speaking of Tremaine Edmonds, he was a part of my seven observations from the from the game last night and, uh, and really just watching him and tracking him has been rather interesting through these first two preseason games because that's really all we've had to go by and we'll get into that in just a bit but you can uh, you can find those right now over at wkbw.com all right into the run defense because I think this was a uh, a pretty piss poor effort if if I'm if I'm being frank early on from the first team defense I mean they were getting bowled over I'm not sure exactly whose fault it was on a play-to-play just because you can't see the coach's film right away and and you have to figure out exactly who did what and why plays did a certain thing but early on the the play of the linebackers including Edmonds and Matt Milano was a bit concerning for me because you know the Browns were getting out wide they were running it straight up the gut there was many examples of where they they were just doing whatever it was that they wanted and it it, it brought on a little bit more of an improvement as the game kind of wore on and they and they settled in a bit I mean Tremaine Edmonds actually I'll get to him in a second Matt Milano seemed like he was playing with a bit more speed wasn't getting blown off the ball as much as he had been early on in the game and against Carolina but then even when we're talking about Tremaine Edmonds it seemed to me that he started to settle in a little bit more, but the instincts just aren't there yet for him because when you watch him diagnose plays, and especially when he's in space, he's at the right spot. But rather than striking forward and going to get the ball carrier and tackle him, he lets the play kind of come to him a little bit. And I think that's something that's going to change as soon as he gets more comfortable. But the important part is, is that he's putting himself in good positions to where there is potential for more success than uh, what he's had so far. Yeah, I 
so I talked to Tremaine Edmonds about that last night, and I, you know, the one thing he mentioned, and I think it's pretty clear to anybody that that's watching him closely, he just needs to trust what he's seeing a little yes. bit more. And Lorenzo Alexander mentioned, you know, the reason, not the whole reason, but part of the reason for the big runs early on was that, you know, they didn't game plan for this game. You know, you just kind of put together a simple plan when you're going into a preseason game and the Browns threw in a couple of runs that the Bills hadn't seen a couple of plays that you know weren't in their you know game plan essentially and so once they adjusted you saw the Bills kind of put the clamps on it a little bit but still you don't want to see just because you didn't see a run it's better to let it go for 10 than 30 and I think part of that is some of the hesitance from, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, even Matt Milano at times. And once they were able to game plan, once they were able to make adjustments on the sideline, get back, notice what the Browns were doing, things got a little bit better, and Edmonds got a little bit better in particular. But he's getting these mistakes out of the way now. The hope is that when, you know, everything gets rolling in the regular season, he'll have a little bit more... Uh, you know, of that that attitude that you're talking about to attack the ball, trust what he sees, and make some plays. You even saw it on the second or third series where he filled and made a play at the line of scrimmage that was more of what you expect to see from him. Right. And, again, he's he's 20 years old, and, and this thing is going to come with time for him. And it's a very complex position because he has, his brain has to essentially be a little bit of everywhere. And that's tough to do when when he didn't really have to do it too much at Virginia Tech. And and now he's charged with it and being out there 100% of the time. And for him, this is, this is an important time for him to really work out some kinks here. Because this third preseason game coming up, you would tend to believe that he'll be out there quite a bit of time. And, and for him, that's, that's going to be huge in, in his development and in trusting what he's seeing and, and everything that we're talking about with him. So Edmonds to me don't rush to judgment with him. He's not there just yet. But it's also not a case of, man, this guy looks completely lost. The good news is that he's figuring things out and is actively trying to improve and and trust what he sees a bit more, but it's just not all the way there just yet. And I think that would have been tough to expect from a rookie who is literally his age at that position. But that said, I think there might be a point in time in the upcoming season where he starts to get closer to that point. And you think to yourself, well, it looks like he's finally starting to getting getting it. I mean, it's the 10,000 hours rule. If uh, the, the longer you do things, the more comfortable with it, and, and the more you start to anticipate things with, with whatever it is that, whatever craft that you are trying to, to emulate. And, that, and for, I think, Edmonds, now it's just a matter of him getting the reps, and it, it might not always be pretty, especially in the regular season. He might get picked on a little bit to start things, but as it goes, you would expect with his body, his athleticism, his tackling ability, you would expect that this thing would eventually turn in the right direction for him at some at some point this upcoming season. 
Yeah, and it's not going to get a tremendous amount, you know, easier for the run defense with news that Kyle Williams could miss some time. And, you know, you're kind of back to square one. You might have a rookie playing in Kyle Williams' spot if they decide to trust Harrison Phillips with that. And then you'll have a rookie at middle linebacker, and Matt Milano hasn't exactly taken the next step. So there will be quite a bit on Edmonds's plate as he enters the regular season because the Bills don't have anywhere else to turn at linebacker and, and they they lost a key leader up front on the defensive line. I like to think it would get a bit better with Trent Murphy in there too, holding the edge and, you know, maybe being a, a better option there than Shaq Lawson. I but mean, he's been a tad uninspiring though in camp. He doesn't, he hasn't really, yeah, he's impactful. not, he's not, you know, himself with the groin right, injury right. And, that, and that's uh you never know when he'll get back. I did see him jog into the, the locker room from the field, and he was in uniform, so they were at least trying to get him ready to go through the motions. And, and to and, be in a uniform. Right. You got As Sean McDermott <laughs> likes to say, you got, I like to, you know, get guys used to being in front of their locker, you know, and, and getting dressed. You know, these things are important <laughs> uh, because you wouldn't want, you know, Trent Murphy to go out there with no pants against the Ravens in week one. That would be a problem. I don't Maybe know. you would like to see that. I don't know. I don't know how he would be able to do his job without pants. I mean, we know that he all these groins are different, but we don't need to see the physical evidence of it, is my point. Uh, that, and that's no truer point. words. That's why he wants these guys to practice getting dressed and putting their pant legs on one leg at a time, you know? But the idea would be that once he's healthy and you know once you've got these guys playing their their full allotment of reps that maybe things will get better but last night was more of a problem of the second and third level of the defense not being able to contain uh, you know when those plays did get past the first level and letting a 10-yard gain turn into a 30-yard gain but once guys started making plays up front it seemed like you know things slowed down a little bit for the Browns rushing offense. Let's get into Kyle a little bit because his his injury, if it is going to force him to miss some time in the regular season, that means the Bills have to make a choice upcoming here. And I honestly think the choice is pretty easy because from what we've seen when Kyle has not played or practiced or anything like that, it's mostly been Harrison Phillips at, filling in at three technique. The trouble here is Sean McDermott loves having that rotation of defensive tackles. And now they're in a spot where if Kyle has to miss some time, you have Adolphus Washington being your main rotational player, and which is not exactly ideal because he tends to fade into the background quite a bit, as we've seen over the past two years and now this summer. And then you have to keep someone like... Ricky Hatley as your backup one technique, and that's... Hell yeah. Okay, M-I-Z. <laughs> but, but there is a drop-off there when you have Harrison Phillips, who is so versatile that could have been your your third piece there to where he could fill in for both Latulale and for Kyle Williams, and, and now he's forced into the starting lineup, which is great for him, and he's probably going to play a ton of snaps and probably look impressive doing so, but there's also going to be times where they need to give he and Latulale rest. And and if you're doing that and, and trotting out Washington and Hatley, you're going to lose a lot up the middle. And that's 
that's an overall concern for their uh, for their rush defense. I think. I know they love the rotation, and you do need that in the NFL. I actually think Harrison Phillips can handle a lot of snaps. No, I agree, but 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 now, but now he is. That's not your ideal situation. And now he is at a point where he has to be playing probably seventy-five to eighty yeah. percent a different position, and you still have to manufacture those reps for those just to keep those two main big guys fresh and a Hatley Washington combination is just not going to cut it for them and it might only be like 15 to 20 percent of snaps but that's still a a solid chunk of of snaps to where teams could take advantage and and rush it right up the gut so I'm not going to sit here and let you besmirch the good name of a a Mizzou made man I've been very patient with you and your Marcus Murphy dumb over hey Marcus Murphy had another good game I know I know I'm just kidding about Marcus Murphy and and Hatley has shown some flashes too that's that's not to say he can't play but there is a there is a legitimate drop off when we're talking about Harrison Phillips being the main backup to then Washington and Hatley yeah it looked like the defensive line was going to be so much deeper and the rotation would be a lot stronger and now that Kyle Williams isn't 100% and Trent Murphy still isn't 100%. Those questions are starting to linger and the depth is going to be tested again. And we saw what happened last year when when that happened. There were some games where they let up, you know, a lot of yards on the ground and you've got a few teams early on that are going to be able to run the football. And really three right off the bat in the Ravens, the Chargers, and then the Vikings those three teams are going to be able to run the ball and you need to be able to stay fresh and now you're questioning whether they're going to be able to do that i bet you they go out and sign a defensive tackle and maybe or claim somebody on waivers or or something along those lines i don't think they're going to have to keep five defensive tackles unless they short-term ir kyle williams or whatever whatever they call it there is no designation now just ir and then bring him back after eight weeks but they're going to have to do something i think it hatley hasn't been good enough i think to warrant a roster spot washington was i think he's been hanging on i think he's pretty safely on the 53-man roster but now he's definitely on there but they just need some something with a little oomph to uh to that position and to not sacrifice completely their plans for the season which was to improve their rush defense so uh, there there are there are some problems there also Deion Dawkins not great tough night for him I mean Real he was up night. against Miles Garrett yeah Miles Garrett like he's tore, above average he tore him a new one that, that was that was a that was a big performance by Garrett against Dawkins and Dawkins it, it looked like Garrett was just toying with him at times. He let Dawkins do his own thing, and then Garrett's like, oh, you're going to do that? I'll do this, and then he's in. And there were, I probably counted like four or five times where he was just creating mayhem in the backfield, and that's a lot for one quarter of action. It's the reason A.J. McCarron's collarbone is now in pieces. Yes. Is Deion Dawkins got beat by Miles Garrett, and Miles Garrett did the rest. I mean, I thought Deion Dawkins was really good in training camp and As pretty good in the first preseason yeah. game, but Miles Garrett look, makes a lot of guys look average, and he made Deion Dawkins look below average last night. And that's part of the concern when you 
talk about the quarterback position and, and the decision that has to be made there is, you know, will this offensive line be able to hold up and, and protect whoever you put back there? And do you want to put your franchise investment in that position? But of all the guys on the line, Deion Dawkins is supposed to be the one that you're not worried about. Right. He's supposed to be the guy that, you know, takes that next step and becomes, you know, the cornerstone of your offensive line. And it and, looked like he was on the way to doing that, too. And I think he still could be. Sure. It's a preseason game. but And he's going and he's, up against Miles Garrett. Who's one of the best <laughs> pass rushers in the league. But worth noting because there's other good pass rushers that are, you know, going to be on the other side. Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa are going to be on the other side in week two. I mean, you're going to have to deal with guys like this. Uh basically on a weekly basis it's not always going to be miles garrett but there's a lot of talented pass rushers in the league and you have to be able to hold your own and it's a that's one of the my favorite weekly battles to watch it was always one of my favorites when cordy glenn was the left tackle because i felt like he brought his best in those situations when it was a chandler jones or somebody else opposite him and Deion dawkins needs to develop that mentality where he's going to raise his game when a guy like Miles Garrett's on the other side. Yeah, he absolutely does. And I thought Dawkins was playing with a lot of confidence uh, all throughout camp and definitely in that preseason game. But it, this is going to knock him back a few pegs. Now we have to see how he reacts to a pretty bad performance of his against a really talented player and what he's going to do differently next time. And I don't know if he's going to be tested quite as much at any point in for the rest of the preseason, but he needs to come back and have a, a stronger game, obviously. He needs to come back and have a strong game to maybe just keep that that confidence that he had going. I mean, this is a guy... I've been watching one-on-ones for at training camp for a pretty long time now, and Deion Dawkins did something that I had never seen before. He essentially tried to pump fake the, the, the pass rusher into doing a move that he wanted him to do so he could just hammer down and crush him. Terrence Fidey, who was the, the rusher on the rep, didn't fall for it and did his own thing and ended up winning the rep. But Dawkins, like, he's playing with so much confidence that he's trying to bait the defender to, to, to do what he wanted. You, you just don't see that. And so you don't want to see that confidence go away after one bad performance of his. I, I think for him, this this upcoming game against Cincinnati is going to be very important. Yeah, it will, and it's also going to be a huge game for the guys on the interior because the center competition is still ongoing. I think Ryan Groy it should have the edge. Yeah, uh, he's been I, better. I think he's been better than Russell Bodine, but Geno Atkins is going to be on the other side, and that's not going to be fun. I think I recall a game where Geno Atkins just completely tore through John Miller. I yeah, could, I could so be wrong about that. Geno Atkins versus John Miller or Vlad Dukas or Ryan Groy. Yikes. Yikes indeed. Have, you know, Peterman, Josh Allen, whoever it is. Kid Tutty. Say a prayer. Say a prayer. Well, they're not going to throw Ryan Zapatiki in with the first team. Well, they offense. might if Geno Atkins is out there. <laughs> just make him a punching bag. You know, maybe after Rodak's comment, they'll just throw him out there and let Geno Atkins break him in half. Would Bills fans be in favor of them signing Mike Rodak to be the third quarterback in this? 
Tweet I us. Think at Matthew Fairburn and at Joe Biscalia. As much of a groundswell of support as there is for Josh Allen starting that third preseason game, I bet you 90% of Bills fans would rather see Mike Rodak back there if they knew Geno Atkins would be in the backfield on every play. Well, especially if afterwards Geno Atkins could go over to Rodak's mom's house. Yeah, right, which he he would probably come directly from Rodak's mom's house, <laughs> break Rodak in half, and then go back. <laughs> Poor Rodak. Uh, but he brought it on himself. Calling a, calling a quarterback a punching bag. Leave a comment on iTunes. Give us a... <laughs> Give us a review and, and let us know if, if you want the Bills to sign Mike Michael J. Rodak to start the third preseason game. I would just love to see Michael sling the Duke. I would love to see him throw an, an NFL pass. I've I've seen I've seen him try to you know play basketball before. I don't know if I've ever seen him throw a pass. I think I have actually. It didn't go well. Not great. But yeah, he's got the height though. I mean, draft him in the seventh round. He's then. got the frame for it. Man. It's, a, it's an option. It's on the table. So leave, yeah. us, leave us a comment on iTunes. Yeah. Let us know. On iTunes or tweet us. Hashtag unique groins. It's all there. Subscribe, unsubscribe, and resubscribe. <laughs> and then let us know what you think of Michael Rodak as your week three starter. Well, on that note, <laughs> I think... It's time to bid you all adieu. Wait! One last thing. Come on, Darlene. Gotta fit it in there. This is a this is a post-game edition, so. Darlene was back, by the way. Yes, I saw that Darlene was in there. She uh she said rather than Joosh, when he does something bad, he'll be called Jeesh. Oh, Darlene. <laughs> you witty, witty woman. It's not the preseason for everybody. That's mid-season form for yeah, Darlene. Darlene was humming along yesterday. So who's your come on, Darlene? Uh, who is my come on, Darlene? That's a good question. I'm trying to I'll, think. I'll, I'll do one right now. Traveris Cadet. Traveris Cadet fumbled it, and he, he was on roster life support at the moment just because Marcus Murphy has severely outplayed him. He doesn't do much on special teams. Traveris Cadet putting the ball, the Duke, on, on the ground since we're calling it the Duke now. Uh, that uh, less than ideal for him, and and uh, I think he's on the outside looking in on the roster at the moment. Yeah, I don't think he helped himself, especially with the game that Marcus Murphy had, a second straight strong game from him, and they pulled him out of the game you know, pretty early in favor of putting Traveris Cadet in there, which tells you where Marcus Murphy stands when he's coming out of the game you know, with those starters. I'll, you know, this is a guy... I'm going to give my come on, Darlene, to Kelvin Benjamin. And he's a guy that I've had a lot of praise for this training camp and for the way he played in that preseason opener. But he didn't exactly attack the football on a couple of occasions that he had. Talking about that first play? That first play yeah. in particular. It is a preseason game and all that. But, you know, he talked about being, you know, having something to prove every week and all this. He certainly didn't have the same energy he did against the Panthers. And, again, it's the preseason. I'm not saying that he won't bring it in the regular season, but you want to see every week. And 
the same kind of goes for Corey Coleman. Yeah. Who was a little bit invisible last night. And I don't think he's a lock to make this team. To Coleman? Be honest. I really yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I think he needs to not only show that he can make some plays, but prove that he's the type of guy from a work ethic and attitude standpoint that they want on this team. So the receivers left a little something to be desired. Secondary, come on, Darlene. Did you see the picture I tweeted of him and Jimmy Haslam? I don't think oh, I did. Treat. We're going to get a, a live reaction. It, it is fairly awkward. Jimmy Haslam made it a point to go talk to Corey Coleman, wanted to shake his hand. The interaction lasted about six seconds, I think. You tweeted this last night? Yeah, I tweeted. Click on media. There you go. Oh, no. Not great service here at the uh, at the, the toll, toll booths. booths. Yeah. Very sad. Oh, you're getting I close. I see Tarad. <laughs> Tarad was there. It uh, It is right around that that realm of things. This is great radio. Yes. It, radio? This is a po- How about I just show you on my phone? Oh, here he is. Yes. Zoom yeah, into that. Zoom into that bad boy. Look at, look at the face Jimmy's making. I don't like that at all. <laughs> Corey Coleman looks like he needs an adult. <laughs> Some supervision. Looks like looks like he needs Rodak to come in and be his punching bag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Tough night for Corey Coleman. Yeah, sure was. All right, so uh, the next time we're going to talk to you is sometime uh, during this coming week. The Bills are not playing a game until Sunday, which will be at New Era Field. I believe a 4 o'clock start where they take on the fighting Andy Daltons and try and see if Josh Allen maybe, just maybe, could be their starter at the beginning of the 2018 season. Got to love it. Got to love this. Uh, this is... This has been a very fun, fun conversation all the way through and, and uh, figuring out exactly what the Bills are thinking at the quarterback position. All right, so for Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, my name is Joe Biscalia. Thank you all for listening, however you did it, and we will talk to you next week. See ya.